Welcome to Triple Take, the podcast where we talk to interesting people about the books, albums, and films that shaped them. I'm Carla Jean Whitley. I'm Matt Scalisi. And I'm John Hammondtree. This week, we are joined by Julia Sayers, the managing editor of Birmingham Magazine. And I'm excited to have her here. Hey, Julia. Hey. I'm excited to be here. Excellent. So we were torturing you a little bit before we hit record with Tales of Tuscaloosa. You were not a Tuscaloosa girl and not not. actually an Alabama girl at all. all. So tell us just a little bit about who you are and how you ended up here. So I grew up in North Carolina. I was born and raised there. I went to school there at Elon University and um, graduated with a journalism degree. And I was looking for jobs and I ended up taking a one-year contract position here in Birmingham with Southern Living. Did that for about nine months before falling in love with Birmingham, realizing I wanted to stay and looking for full-time jobs here. Ended up getting a full-time job with Paula Deen's magazine. Um, So got really into the food magazines there. (laughs) But then after two years of that, I was looking for a change. And as I already said, I loved Birmingham so much and wanted to do something that really embraced my passion for the city and something I could express that through. So there's a position open with Birmingham Magazine, and now I'm here. This week, the Best of Birmingham issue has started popping up at newsstands across the city, and I know that's always a special issue. So tell me a little bit about that and what else is coming up with the magazine. So Best of Birmingham is our annual poll that we do where we poll our readers, we poll the city about the best in the city. So this year we chose to do 122 categories. Which is ambitious. Which is a lot. Are you kicking yourself? (laughs) Uh, A little bit. (laughs) When I had to write it and it was 6,000 words and it was a lot. But (laughs) it's very comprehensive. And so um, that just released this week. We've started to see people, you know, posts on social media rolling in. People announcing that they won. We'll put up the winners online tomorrow. Um, So it's just been fun. You know, that's always our big issue. And then we'll have the Best of Birmingham event in September. And then right now we're working on our food issue, which Mm -hmm. personally is my favorite issue because I'm a big foodie. And the food scene in Birmingham is one of the reasons Mm -hmm. I'm still here. I just loved it so much. Um, So the food issue, it's great. The theme is where your food comes from. Oh, excellent. So it's been really local really awesome we've got stories on foraging we've got stories on the rep urban food project our urban beekeepers so it's just been a really fun issue to work on and there's clearly a lot to look forward to i'll go ahead and give the standard plug before we talk more about you (laughs) but you can subscribe at behammag.com and you can love that (laughs) yes that's how we um, stay in business right yeah And you can also hear Julia every week on Birmingham Mountain Radio around 9 a.m. on Thursdays. And that's when she and Scott Register of Regis Coffee House will talk about everything going on in town each weekend. Yeah. So that's all well and good and exciting. But we really brought you here to hear more about who you are. So what are the book, film, and album you chose? Okay, so the book I chose was What I Was Doing While You Were Breeding by Kristen Newman. We'll get into that in a second. Um, The film I chose is La Vita e Bella, which translates to Life is Beautiful. Um, It's an Italian foreign film, but most people probably know the movie. And the album I chose is My Way by Frank Sinatra. We'll jump right in with your book. It was entertaining 
the context in which I read this book because we scheduled the podcast while I was home visiting my niece and nephews. Mm-hmm. Now, I was reading it on my e-reader, so my sister could not see that the title of it was what I was doing while you were breeding, <laughs> but it seemed a little appropriate it for is. our lives. Um, so tell me, when did you read this book? How did it come into your life? So I read it a couple years ago. Um, I'm re- I love reading travel memoirs, travel books, food books, of course, are all my favorite. Um, so this came up on a list of best travel memoirs you should read. So um, I, you know, I read the description of it, and I was like, this kind of sounds like my life. I should mm-hmm. probably read this. <laughs> so um, I loved it. I mean, from the get-go, it's hysterical. It's Kristen Newman is um, a sitcom writer. And so she's written for sitcoms such as How I Met Your Mother, that 70s show. And she also traveled all the time while she off her off-season. Most writers work about nine months of the year and then have three months off to travel. So she documented her travel memoirs in this book, and they are some of the funniest travel stories you'll ever read. Yes, and uh, so I was entertained when you... Uh, texting me about the book because you gave me a warning and said this may seem weird but I will explain yeah I did um, I think that we should explain to the listeners that the context there is there is a, a lot of international sex in this book <laughs> <There is. laughs> that's why I had to warn Carla Jean I'm like this is gonna sound so weird if I say this has impacted me but it's not that it's the larger story here but the deeper I got into the book it became pretty obvious because I do know you yeah where you saw some correlation between this book and your life one of the primary themes that is threaded through all of her international travels is life as an independent single woman Mm -hmm. and you know you are one of the most traveling people I know. <laughs> yes. When's your next out of the country trip? Next weekend. Okay, that's my point. <laughs> and, um, but you know, also a young, professional, active, single woman. Yeah. Um, so tell me a little bit about what you saw of yourself in the book. So that's what stood out to me. I mean, the title is What I Was Doing While You Were Breeding, which means basically all her friends are getting married and having kids. And she just didn't have a desire to do that so young. She felt like there was a lot of the world she hadn't seen. And she wanted to focus on her career and focus on herself. And the first chapter, just as I'm reading it, part of me was just like, this girl is writing about everything I felt. And she had she spent most of her early 20s in a relationship, got out of that relationship, was devastated. Then one of her friends suggested we should go on this trip together to Paris and Amsterdam. And that kind of sparked her love for traveling and embracing solo travel as well. And for me, you know, I spent most of college in relationships as well and um, had a pretty devastating heartbreak. And then three months later, went to spend a semester abroad and realized I just fell in love with traveling the world and realized that happiness and fulfillment doesn't necessarily have to come from a relationship learning to find that within yourself and within what you love doing and something that Kristen says in the book she says I love to do the thing you're supposed to do in the place you're supposed to do it that's one of my favorite lines and that's what I've always tried to do with my travels just very authentic traveling doing eating what I'm supposed to eat while I'm there doing what I'm supposed to do not necessarily the touristy things but what the locals are doing 
Um, I spent another month in Europe couch surfing, so staying with locals all through Europe. And that was really, to me, doing what I was supposed to be doing in the place I was supposed to be doing it. So right. that well, spoke a lot to me. What have you learned about yourself in the process of all this travel? You learn, well, a lot, but mainly you learn how to be an independent person, how to problem solve on your own. Every time I go abroad, I don't buy an international phone plan. So I don't have Google Maps. I don't have a way to communicate if something goes wrong. You know, obviously you have Wi-Fi on your phone, but the first time I traveled, I didn't even have a smartphone. So um, it just teaches you how to solve problems for yourself and learning about other cultures, learning about other people. Mm -hmm. You can learn so much just from talking to other people in a country and you see how different you are, but also at the same time how similar you are. And I think that just teaches you a lot about tolerance and other cultures. And you can just learn a lot of lessons through traveling. And so that's something that has influenced me. And I support a lot of other cultures and I love experiencing that. And I know there's more to the world than my own little world. Mm -hmm. That's wonderful. Now, another thing that stood out to me about the book is that while you know the title is pretty cheeky what I was doing while you were breeding um Kristen very clearly is not anti-relationship in fact she's looking for love really through a lot of the book there is a strong narrative thread of her relationship desires as well as her strong and growing independent Mm -hmm. streak and so I wondered too how how or if the relationship side of the story appealed to you or inspired you. It did because a big part of it, um, she says in the beginning that she felt like love and freedom or marriage and freedom were two separate things. And she didn't think that you could have both of those things. And so that's a big part of her finding out as she's traveling, she feels like she'll never find love as long as she is still traveling and being herself but in the end I don't want to ruin it but basically she ends up finding love and realize it realizing that those two things don't have to be separate and when you find the person you're supposed to be with it is freeing and I think she said something at the end of the book with about the journalist Rachel mm-hmm. the journalist said that love frees you to be the person who you are mm-hmm. um, and that's just really deep because I think a lot of it too is you have to figure out yourself first and a lot of people don't do that and they jump into these relationships and then they find out down the line well I don't know who I am so I don't know who I can be with this person and a big part of the message in this book is figuring out yourself first and then when you find the right person you can have everything you want still it doesn't have to feel constricting and it doesn't have to feel like you're giving up certain things about yourself. Julia, for your film, you picked Life is Beautiful. I'm an Italian by heritage, but I do not speak Italian, so I'm not going to attempt to pronounce it. <laughs> La vita e bella. Thank you. So tell me about kind of your first experience with this movie, because I'm not sure. You, would, you wouldn't have seen this when it came out, right? In 97? No. No? no. I did I actually see it. I was seven years old. <laughs> I saw it in the theater when, I, when it came out. I think I was, oh, wow. maybe, I think I was maybe... I mean, I would have been like 13 or 14, but it was, I went and saw it with my parents and it was, you know, not the kind of movie they would have taken somebody my age to normally, but you know, I think this was actually a really effective movie 
for that age group. Um, so tell me about when, when you saw it. So the first time I saw it, I was in high school, early high school, mm -hmm. probably freshman year or maybe sophomore year. Um, and I just got together with a group of my friends and we watched it because we'd heard about it and just wanted to, just had heard it was a great movie and wanted to watch it. Um, I'm Italian as well. I don't speak Italian either. <laughs> but, you know, just anything set in Italy or in Italian, mm -hmm. I just love. So we watched the movie and, you know, I've seen a lot of Holocaust movies and this is so different than mm -hmm. any other movie you'll see. It's a really beautiful movie. The first half of the movie is focused on the love story between this man, Guido, and the lady he falls in love with, Dora. In the second half of the movie, they have a kid by this point and they get taken by the Nazis and put into a concentration camp. But the father, the whole time, wants to pretend for his child that it's a game because he doesn't want his child to know what's going on and be subjected to that and be scared and so throughout the movie he's just pretending there's points they're gonna win and just trying to keep it positive for him no matter how hard and how tortured the father is he comes in every day with a smile and says we're winning the game we've got these many points this many points and it's just really it's a great story of love and sacrifice and remaining positive in the hardest points in your life and that just really stood out to me yeah i you know i have not rewatched it since i've had kids um but yeah, you know parent, thinking sure thinking about it it's a it's you know it's obviously has a whole different effect on you and i and you know i i think one of the interesting things about this this movie looking at it from that perspective of a movie about parents and their children and how they how they deal with difficult things you know there's it's it's definitely representing a far end of the spectrum mm -hmm. because you've you've got parents um, that that sort of say I need to prepare my kids I need to let them know how tough the world is and how hard life is going to be and you've got parents who say I I need to protect their innocence and their ability to experience joy because that's such a fragile thing and that's really what this this movie represents is that yeah. so i'm gonna i'm gonna get you on the psychologist's couch here <laughs> okay but does that i mean you're you're southern that to me that feels like a very southern idea right that we yeah. would sort of make sure that our kids are protected from right. lots of this this ugly stuff and that's a big in italian culture as well do you think is it an I italian so. thing i think maybe that's is. maybe i just you think know, it's southern but i, mean, I grew up with think, it too yeah but if you think about think of boys and their italian mothers like they uh -huh. live with their families basically until they get married and i feel like the moms are always taking care of them and even taking care of them still even after they get married and i feel like it's italian but it's also southern mm -hmm. And, you know, that is something when I watched the movie again last night, just to refresh, because it's probably been about seven years since I last saw it. And part of me did notice that it was just, you know, just some people look at this movie and think, oh, this man shouldn't have done that because he's coddling the child. But yeah. I think it's just what he did, the sacrifice and having to remain so positive and so happy all the time for his child. You know, he's focusing completely on his child. I just think that's amazing and I don't know many people that could do that. It's yeah, that's a that's a very interesting point is it's also kind of it's a movie that could only be made about the time period that it was made in and and about 
the specific culture too because you know you're right I think most Holocaust movies there's a if you see child characters in it it's about like this is how I steeled myself for the tough parts of the world and I yeah. survived it and this is this is looking at it from a different angle where that there were there were different goals involved and, and they wanted him to stay a child and it, and it also you know it's it's very not our parents generation it's not a baby boomer thing to say you have to completely give up everything about yourself right. you're not you're not experiencing anything on your own it's all about the other people in your life um, just just as far as the the first half of it to look at the lighter part of it I mean it really kind of works as two separate movies almost but yeah. the first half of this movie is one of the the sweetest uh, you know romance movies that I've that I can remember seeing and it's it's not it doesn't ever feel cheesy to me it doesn't no. feel like the sort of like rom-coms that we yeah. get here yeah and it's very innocent right for the most part and you know it's just sweet like he basically she falls into his arms she falls out of a stable and he catches her and then he keeps running into her around town and he's always calling her La Principesa which mm -hmm. is my princess and it's just very sweet, but she is about to be engaged to another man that she's not happy with, and she just ends up falling in love with Guido instead. And it's very sweet, and it does it does seem like a whole different movie. But I think that you have to they had to set that up for their relationship before they could go into the rest of the movie because you see his personality and who he is sure. through that courtship first, and then how that translates to him and his son. So, is is this was this sort of the first foreign movie that you remember watching? Probably yes. Yeah. So I mean it, that that I think it is for a lot of people at least at the time it was, and I I remember people saying, you know, like I don't usually go see foreign films, yeah. but this was very easy to watch, and, and, and I think it it's was one to it's one to watch that you really don't have to see it dubbed. I think I think for people who don't normally see movies in a foreign language, this feels very surprisingly easy to watch yeah even with subtitles it is it definitely is um and i think it was the only movie that has won best foreign film as well as best picture it did not Oscars. win best picture but it was, was nominated, nominated which is okay. very rare yeah yeah for a foreign film yeah so and it is it's just easy to watch and i kept forgetting last night though sometimes you forget that you're watching with subtitles yeah. i'd pick up my phone and text someone and then just be like oh wait i just missed what they said because <laughs> right yeah i'm not listening to it in my language but it is easy and it's a lot of the Italian words are beautiful. It's when he calls her his princess, you don't hear my princess, you hear La Principessa. Yeah, you pick up things over the over the course of watching the movie, yeah. which is interesting. And yeah. so it's pretty to hear them hear those things in Italian. Okay, so as an Italian with an independent streak, I can definitely <laughs> see how Frank Sinatra's <laughs> My Way would appeal to you. But yeah. still, I mean, it's a nearly 50-year-old album. So how did this come to be an album that defined you? So we're continuing the Italian theme here. Um, Frank Sinatra, my family is Italian, as I already mentioned. And so my grandma loved Frank Sinatra. And every time we'd have these big Italian family dinners, I just remember her putting on a Frank Sinatra album. And so it was just a big part of my childhood. I just loved listening to that music. And then um, as I got older, I started to get into Michael Buble, which led me back to Frank Sinatra. And it's just his music I just fell in love with because there's no music like that nowadays. There's just, you can't compare to that. And it's the only type of music where I feel like 
the lyrics are just as important as the sound and lyrics are like poetry mm-hmm. and I just feel like we're missing that nowadays and I love listening to Frank Sinatra because it takes me well I like to pretend it takes me back to a time that I would have loved to have experienced and um, I just love the album My Way I know it's one of his lighter ones and but the song My Way is just something that stood out to me um, as we've already discussed with my independent streak yeah just, I mean, it came to define him later in his career and yeah it, you know, my family is not Italian, but um, you know that was one of my grandfather's favorite songs, and my brother actually sang it at, at his funeral. So it's oh, just really? like a really great song. So I was excited that you picked the album. Yeah. Yeah, and it's interesting. You know, um, you talked about like this type of music doesn't really have much of an audience today. Like, you know, Michael Bublé is a good example, but somehow that almost seems like musical cosplay like yeah he's like dressing it's up frank as like sinatra, sinatra for this generation right. but he's his influence is frank sinatra but that sort of jazzy sounds uh i was listening to the hamilton soundtrack yesterday mm. and i um uh you know obviously it's gotten a big following for being this hip-hop album but you listen to some of the songs like the room where it happened and some of these other tracks and it does have that sort of jazzy flow mm-hmm. that kind of feeds into so it, it's like it feels very American, this yeah. Frank Sinatra style of music. Yeah, and he, I mean, he, I took a class actually in college on Italian Americans and just the history of that. And we read a book called Why Sinatra Matters. And just talking about how he was kind of a poster child for Italian American immigrants mm-hmm. and his influence that he had on a lot of people, not just through his music, but. You know, Italian Americans were really looked down upon. It was really bad for them. Um, a lot of racism, and you know, a lot that most people might not realize. And so, for them to have this poster child of someone who came up and was successful, that was part of his big influence. Was he? You know, he was a model for not to say that he was the best role model in all aspects of his life, but. It was somebody that people could look up to and aspire to be and say, hey, I can do this too. Yeah, definitely. So I think that's a big part of what my way is. You know, he says, I did this, I did it my way. And the lyrics are just so great in that song. Um, My favorite line is when he says, it's at the end and he says, what is a man, what has he got? If not himself, then he has not. And talks about to have the courage to say how he feels and not the courage of a man who kneels. Mm -hmm. And that just speaks to me a lot. It's just, do it your way go against what society or what you think society is saying you should do and do it the way that's going to be the best for you and have the courage to stand up for yourself and so i just think that speaks a lot through that song yeah definitely um i hadn't listened to the whole album until until i saw that you had selected it i had heard my way and i had heard some of the other songs on it but um you know it's interesting because there's these songs that have like this great empowering message Mm -hmm. and then you've got um, didn't we which is this sort of sad look back on a relationship yeah. that's gone south and it's just this very moving it is. song uh, are there other songs that stick out on the album for you? Well what sticks out most about the album is when you listen to Frank Sinatra's albums you can kind of tell what mood he's in in his life and his life had a lot of ups and downs um, and you think one of his best albums is In the Wee Small Hours but that whole album is about He's pining for someone. He's missing someone. And it's kind of depressing. And then you look at Come Fly With Me, and it's these beautiful songs of around the world, exotic locales. And then 
you get to my way and I feel like it's just defines who he is you know he's happy he's like hallelujah I love her so and then he talks about for once in my life it's a great song you know and then but then he does look back on certain other parts of his life and it's just it's a fun album you know he covers the Beatles yesterday and Mrs. Robinson from Simon and Garfunkel so yeah I actually wasn't crazy about those covers but when you yeah. talk about like him looking back on his life yesterday makes sense right it's like a song looking back. yeah it did you know the first time I heard it I was like why are there covers in here but he does them well and I think that's his personality to be like I'm gonna do these super famous songs and I'm gonna do them well and people are gonna love it you know so I just think the album says a lot about him and his life journey did discovering Sinatra lead you into any other sort of Italian singers other Rat Pack members uh, yeah I love Dean Martin yeah. of course um Volare gotta love that song um and I just love I mean like I said I love that whole style of music so Sammy Davis Jr. as well and it's just it's influenced the type of music that I like today and like I said with Michael Buble and then there's some other artists coming up that kind of have that throwback sound like if you listen to Leon Bridges he has some of that so it's definitely influenced the music that I like to listen to. All right, thanks, Julia. This was great. Uh, tell tell everybody where they can find you on social media. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram, both at Julia Sayers. All right, and this is John Hammontree. You can find me on Twitter at, at John Hammontree and on Instagram at, at BirminghamonTree. I am also on uh, Twitter and Instagram and many other platforms at Matt Scalisi. And this is Carla Jean Whitley. You can find me on the internet at Life. And y'all be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and any other podcast platforms that we exist on. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good way of putting it. Thanks. (laughs) We'll talk to y'all soon. Oh, hey, we're going to take a break for Labor Day. So y'all go have fun and think of us and send us your recommendations for future guests. 